Welcome to the new installment of Brews and Battle Stories presented by 5x5. My name is Sean Downey. I'm here with George Rice. What's up, guys? Actually, first installment. First installment, yeah. Well, it, it's re-envisioned. Uh, it originally was in, in person, uh, but now it's a podcast. And uh, Corey here, um, if you watch the video later, he's kind of shyly looking at me. Uh, Corey Dressler, he's joining us today. He's a Marine Corps veteran. Corey, say hi. Hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. No, I said Corey, say hi. I'm a Marine. I mean, you know, it wasn't written down in crayon. <laughs> so, guys, the purpose of Bruce and Battle Stories is that uh, we're sharing and highlighting local uh, local veterans that are doing good in their community in one fashion or another. Let it be business or, as Corey here is involved with different nonprofits and different um, federal agencies that help out veterans and stuff like that. So, each of these podcasts is going to be highlighting different local veterans, hence the name Bruce and Battle Stories. That's right. Yeah. Like we said, uh, it originally started uh, in person here. People really enjoyed it. Um, it got a little bit uh, long in the night and stuff. So it was hard for people to come out. And we just thought it would be a good platform to uh, to bring uh, different local veterans. Uh, we plan to have you know, veterans from across the state as well, from, from across the country that want to come on virtually and talk to us. Um, but we really wanted to highlight local veterans, especially. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like I said, Corey, uh, he's a Marine veteran. Uh, I know Corey pretty well now uh i'm a little biased on our first guest here uh, i'm i'm one of the marines uh of the ownership of, of five by five georgia's unfortunately army so he's actually outnumbered uh which is a, which is amazing for marines outnumbered army but george and i have been physically closer than you and i have ever been oh yeah which finger was it <laughs> Well, that's a that's smell another, it again. You'll figure that's it a out. Whole other podcast on our NR rated podcast called uh, "What Hole Is It In?" <laughs> Name that smell. Name that, oh, Jesus Christ! Only I didn't have I didn't have enchiladas today. So. And oh, I guess we God. should have put in the uh, "This Is Not Safe for Work" category, and then we'll probably not to uh, publish it as such when we put this online. When you guys are hearing us, but. Uh, yeah so you know bear with us bruise and battle stories doesn't already give that warning uh, well you well, know yeah dude that's that's a solid point yeah it's right there it's true it's true definitely i don't think it's pg-13 that that's for sure it's definitely in the r-rated category <laughs> but the cool thing about this is that uh me and sean are big advocates for this is that uh especially with our generation of veterans and all the stuff that we have happening in our community across the country uh, with the veteran community is uh, self-victimization. So one of the ideas with uh, Bruise and Battle Stories is that we're talking about veteran exceptionalism, getting involved with your community, getting involved in either business or like like what you do and everything like that with the VA and all that um, to give back. And your best days aren't behind you, they're in front of you. And that was one of the major intents when uh, we actually started this in person years and years ago. And we're like, now we're transitioning it to a podcast. Oh. So instead of beating the dead horse about what the podcast is about, um, hopefully you guys will figure it out as we go along. But <clears throat> Corey, uh, tell us a little bit about your background, uh, where you're originally from, you know, what joint, what, what, what forced you into the Marine Corps or drove you, uh, uh, drew you to the Marine Corps and, and tell us a little bit about your service. So as far as where I'm originally from, my favorite line is to say, throw a dart at a map and I've lived there. Um, I grew up in the service, was born in the service and I've moved my entire life. As far as getting forced into the Marine Corps, I'm sure my mother still has somewhere the picture of me about four or five years old in a set of old fatigues about 18 sizes too big for me with a steel pot on my head. 
as I'm going to uh, slide out the gate at Coronado Amphib Base with the Navy SEALs that are down there training. So were they were they the the, the Greens? Were they the uh, Tiger Stripes? Who, who were they from? It was the old Woodlands. So po- post Tiger Stripes, but pre anything we had. Gotcha. And your service uh, days? When when did you serve it? I joined the Corps after a uh, four year extended attempt to find other things to do in college besides get my education. So I wound up enlisting in May of 99. Okay. I, uh, that's a long day by itself, but short version, I got off of the night shift at Walmart and said, Hey, I'm going to go talk to the recruiter and listen the reserves, get some money to go back to college. And by the time the res- recruiter and I got done talking, I just signed up to go straight into the infantry. Oh, well, you didn't hold back. No, no. Well, that's <laughs> smart, huh? Exactly. <laughs> he had me contracted for uh, Signals Intel, and nope. Now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go do it right. I had similar. Uh, well, I wanted infantry, but I don't. I think it's the only thing they would have let me go into. <laughs> I can vouch for that. And then George C was about four. <laughs> the, the, the filter goes in your mouth. Yeah. Just making sure. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're not that far into the bruise portion of the bruise and battle story. So, well, I mean, you do work at a brewery. If I was here, I would need help with that every day. That's true. Yeah. One of the perks, besides being a debt, is uh, taste testing. Yeah. That may just offset the, uh, the being in debt part. So, h- how long have you been down here in the valley for? So, I'm actually glad you asked that because I am not a local. Uh, I, I know my lack of a Texas accent just blows everybody away. <laughs> but I've been down here for about four years now. And I do work for the VA. But and that's all we got to say about that. Well, <laughs> Joking. I, I was very much that self-victimization veteran yeah. when I first got retired. I wasn't ready to leave the Corps. Uh, I'm blessed. I have no physical scars on me from my time in service. Worst I ever caught was a ricochet, uh, knocked around, but no, nothing ever serious. But five deployments in five years, I went a little stupid and I got retired. Uh, and my whole life was taken away from me. How's the VA working out right now with uh, the transition? They're calling it the great transition between you know, World War II vets are far and few in between. Korean vets are getting far and few in between. So right now it's predominantly Vietnam vets and you're starting to see an influx of Iraq and Afghanistan vets coming in. How, how is that working out uh, in your opinion right now? My feelings on the VA are very mixed. So I'm going to, because I currently work at the VA, I'm going to self uh, censor here a little bit. But as far as the veterans themselves, there is a difference in, in the veterans. And I do unfortunately see that self-victimization mentality. Uh, when I was out in California at the VA out there, we had a veteran come in, World War II veteran, didn't realize he was there to be evaluated for power mobility. He came in on a broken rollator. It had three wheels, it's supposed to have four. All he wanted from us was just to fix that rollator. Now, this guy met every criteria for power mobility. And usually the hard part of those clinics is telling a veteran that they don't meet the criteria and to put them in a power wheelchair would be bad for them. We had to convince this soldier that not only was it okay for us to give him a wheelchair, but that he had earned it. All he wanted us to do, and he felt bad, was asking us 
to fix his rollator. I think a lot a lot of it has to do with the generation gaps. Definitely. Um, you know, selfless service is definitely not a high priority, uh, especially with the younger generations, my generation specifically. So while they're in, I think your generation, my generation, the generation that's serving now, that is in uniform. While they're in, I think that selfless service probably continues. Uh, I was in the service pre 9-11. I was actually in DC on 9-11 at uh, 8th and I. Uh, the, the Marines that really impressed me during my service were the ones that joined up after we'd already gone to Iraq because they knew you know, all the crap we get told in boot camp, and I'm sure it was the same in basic training, where they come in during a class and try to scare you and say, you know, we've gone to war, you're getting you know, loaded up, you're going out today. Well, they knew when they went to boot camp, when they volunteered. So some degree of that selfless service still exists. Do you think there's an actual difference in generation mentality or do you think it's just, you know, hey, when I went to school, I've walked up hills both ways in the snow and you there, think it's that? Or there's you- some of that. I mean, there will always be that. Every generation thinks the generation after it is weaker. Oh, I think my generation's weak. I mean, regarding people serving, like I was lucky. You know, I was I was infantry. Everyone that joined, joined either uh, right after 9-11, uh, the vast majority of the people that I served with. So they all knew what they were getting into. Exactly. Uh, but when I transitioned out, I saw something that I never experienced before. I saw all these guys. You owe me? It, it was big. And I, I, I couldn't stand it. It's there. It, it definitely is there. And it, it's what I don't understand because the selfless service is there while you're wearing the uniform. But something happens in that transition. And you know, as a Marine, I like to think we're, we're better than that. Because, And this, this isn't a slam on any other service. But most soldiers I know, I was a soldier. I am a Marine. There, there is a difference in mentality. I'll tell you that from the Marines I met to the Army guys I met. Uh, I will say this is that on the infantry side of the house, they are infantry. Much... Some of my best friends are Army. Yeah. I mean, Rangers. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Here we go. All right. I may have to mute that one out. <laughs> hey, he actually had a battalion scroll. So I'll, he yeah. and I sat side by side at the VA. Do you know there's we... more Special Forces soldiers than there actually are Ranger Regiment boys? Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, there's only three battalions of regiment. And special forces, you got like 10 different groups, battalion size. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot more guys out there with the long tab there than there are out there with the ranger scroll. Oh, how few guys are there with the actual battalion scrolls versus just the ranger tab? Yeah, you got the first, the second, first, and, second the third. and third. Yeah. And technically, I saw, I don't know if this guy was stolen valor or not. It was when I was in active duty. I saw a fourth RTV, fourth ranger battalion scroll. And I was like, what the isn't there a training that? battalion? They, it is a training battalion, but here's this. They deployed at one point in time to Panama when all that shit was going off way Damn. back in the day. And if that was when we were in, because I'm guessing yeah. your time in was around the same as mine, 99 to 2010. No, I joined right after 9-11. Okay. Hey, well, Sean, what's your yeah. take on the whole veteran victimization stuff that we were talking about? I know, I mean, you and me both have seen a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, um, with, with with my work in the veteran community as well, uh, and you see it a lot, and and it and it's strange that it it it's across all age groups. You know, it's not just one specific um, 
you know, it's not like the old vets and it's not like just young vets. It's, it's everybody. And, um, what is funny is, you know, I'm, I'm a peacetime Marine. I'm a cold war Marine. No, you had it worse than the rest of us. You had to serve during the Clinton administration. That had to be painful. Um, it, it was a, it was a difficult time on a scaled down version of things. And, and, and I will say that, uh, currently the guys that are serving are going through the, I mean, it's cyclical it happens all the time where we have a major offensive, everybody ramps up and then, uh, you know, Congress overspends and the Pentagon over commits. And then we have this huge sell off of our military personnel. But I think what's really weird, um, I think what's troubling for me right now with this offensive is is how many and how is is how it has affected recruiting currently it, the way that we've treated our veterans since and, and i will say this since my time because if you want to say like the veterans that are my age in the four in their 40s and stuff right now that served you know there we we had world war two one world war two we had Korea, we had Vietnam, then we had nothing. We had Beirut, we had, you know, we had a couple of things, little blips in there, but we didn't have any major combat offensive that made a lot of veterans, you, combat you had, veterans. You had a couple times where people needed to get PP spanked. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, hey. So closer to the mic, you could add a girl. I'm not used to having cylindrical objects this close to my mouth. I, I've never had a problem hearing this guy. That's why. So <laughs> just for anybody who may not be part of the community that actually listens to this, when we talk about something being major, it's in terms of national or global scale. It's always major to the guys that are there, whether it was Beirut, right. the 243 service members who lost their lives, Panama, uh, what was that craptastic little island down in the Caribbean? Uh, Grenada. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I saw a movie about it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> there's actually a really good comment about it, but I think uh, General Clark about uh, Marines versus Army and who's doing what all over the island, but we won't go into that. But uh, Bosnia. So even during oh, your time, there was stuff going right, on. Right. Uh, there, my older brother was in during conflicts. the conflicts. There are years. conflicts. And I will say this about Bosnia. I did have a buddy. Uh, I, when I went in, when I went at the Marine Corps, actually, I, I went in, I ended up being a logistician, but I went in trying to be a combat photographer and it wasn't available because we had such a small Marine Corps. When I went in, I had a buddy that, that was a, that was a combat photographer that he was with uh, division and they sent him to Bosnia as a, just, just to record, right? He got back never once in his life beforehand had he had one he started having seizures when he got back and i'm saying and they're saying oh there was no chemical stuff going on over there and i'm like well I, my buddy could probably tell you a little bit differently because the only difference is he went to bosnia you know yeah well that's the weapons of mass destruction oh, now yeah. i can honestly I, say I we never that. saw weapons of yeah. mass destruction but we saw storerooms where there had been crates and barrels and stuff and paperwork what's that weird Which, crossbone emblem on the side oh, of yeah. that freight there it's empty but what's that what's this residue <laughs> ah, tastes salty it's what is that spicy. The, the, the frog <laughs> missile launchers and that were sitting outside yeah. the uh, compounds just outside of baghdad you know no those aren't capable of launching uh chemical weapons okay but you know you and i know somebody in common that uh also had an experience with bosnia and turns out we were talking about this the other day 
he and my brother probably actually met on that day when everything went down with Scott O'Grady. Shout out to our amazing servers here at Five <laughs> Thank Five. You, Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am, oh, if it's not more. too much trouble, could I get another one? I'm sorry. And while we're in this, this transition here, as we're getting beers, uh, whatever uh, if, I you, last if time. you hear the background noise, we decided to uh, to broadcast from uh, the deck. So we're outside. We're in the nice breeze for a southern, a South Texas breeze. South Texas winter. Yeah, yeah it's all well, about what eighty five degrees tonight. It's, it's just not chilly. Summer. It's we have two seasons: summer and not summer, and it's not summer right now. So, so yeah, in the small veteran world, this guy's Navy, and my brother was Marine Aviation. And he was on the bird when they brought Scott O'Grady out. Uh, even though he's aviation ordinance, they always send one ordinance guy is in with the trap teams to secure the, the uh, ejection seat and drop a, a thermite right. grenade and stuff. So they had to land on one of the small decks before they went back to the big deck. And Brian was there when they brought O'Grady and everybody from the trap team off the bird to refuel the bird. Wait, Br Br yeah. Uh, Br Brian, uh, yeah. Classics yeah. Brian? Yeah. Yeah, he's an FMF foreman, so he yeah. was probably on, it was on board ship. It was on board ship, yeah. yeah. If you guys didn't know this, there's actually a, a large number of veteran businesses down here. You have Classics Bar and Grill down in Harlingen, all owned by a Navy corpsman. Um, pretty good guy, Brian. And then you have 80s Brewery. Yep. Technically, they're a competitor of ours, but more they're more of a nightclub. And uh, he's a Navy guy. Yep. Uh, he's, he's actually, he's actually he's a, good guy. a corpsman, a hospital corpsman, but he just wasn't an FMF tab. But he but he did serve with the Marines, but aboard uh, on board ship up, uh, uh, in, in, a, in a naval hospital type situation where he wasn't a hospital corpsman, but or a FMF corpsman. So. So, so Ryan and I actually have another uh, tie when he got activated for the invasion of Iraq. And we knew each other two years before we ever came across this connection. The unit he got sent to, 2nd Battalion, 23rd Marines, was the roundout battalion for 1st Marine Regiment. Lead regiment, lead battalion for that regiment was 3-1. Yeah. So Brian and I went through the invasion a couple miles away from each other, side by side, and it takes my coming to Texas and joining the Marine Corps League Detachment down here to run into a brother that I literally crawled through the same mud with. Yeah. So I was never Marine Corps, but I have so many ties to the Marine guys down here uh, from Carlos company, a local unit oh, in yeah. Baghdad. <laughs> that was interesting. I heard him over the radio. Everyone was like, what is that? It's like, oh, I know what that is. That's Tex-Mex. <laughs> These are some like valley Navajo. boys. Are those Navajo court yeah, doctors? Yeah. Nope. No, 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 no. The, and they're saying stuff that I can't even put on this radio right now. <laughs> All in a broken Spanish. And it was pretty barbaric. Yeah. And then uh, crypto. We don't need no freaking crypto. <laughs> yeah. My no, buddy's my uh, Dark Horse. First company I opened was a weapons training company with Ray Leal. Uh, he actually works up there with you guys at the VA. I think he's communications director. Um, he was with two five and he was meritorious. He, you know, bronze star with V, uh, no silver star. Yeah. He had a silver star, but, uh, yeah, he doesn't talk about it at all. Yeah. He's guys a legit badass, really good level-headed guy. Yeah. Yeah. No one like George. No, not like me at all. <laughs> um, but circling back to what you said earlier about, you know, the drawdown, what you were saying, Sean, uh, I got out right at the peak of everything in 2010, uh, when the military was still peaked out, you know, we had uh, the surges were slowly scaling down. And then uh, we got our new commander in chief in and uh, everything's kind of changed up. And then they had something that they referred to as the Obama purge, where we're losing a lot of staff grade officers and NCOs. Uh, they were like, oh, these are the dead weight guys. Actually, it was most of our S3 dudes 
which yes, a lot of them are physically worthless, <laughs> but these are all the planning guys. Like these are all the guys that are subject matter experts in five paragraph op orders and stuff like that, especially the execution. And, and before they get those desk jobs, they've yes. been out and done it for real. Yeah. These are the guys you put in the class case, you know, breaking class of war. And we got rid of all of them and we kind of lost, I would say a good five or six generations of NCO and mid-grade officer leadership all in a single swipe. The, the Corps did it too. It wasn't just the army. It was horrible. Oh, I, we we got to make room for the, for the new younger generation and, no, nah, it didn't no. work out that way. I mean, I came back. Um, the president got rid of stop loss, so I, I exited out. And I was keeping tabs with all these guys. You know, social media is still hot. So when these guys could communicate, like, hey, how's it going over there? They're up in uh, northern Afghanistan. They're like, dude, this is sh horrible. I was expecting they would have the same experience I had in Afghanistan, which was absolutely fun and amazing, except for the, you know, the bad shit. But it was like cowboys and Indians. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I had a blast. And when these guys went up there, like, dude, this is horrible like you know it's garrison at a small fob i'm like ooh, like it, it was really really toxic command climate all the way across the board now like i'm glad i got out when i did some other time when we're not uh being recorded we'll talk about cop akatol in iraq oh, in God. 2007 <laughs> sorry okinawa akatol wasn't too bad okinawa was the one that's let's change it to the upside yeah it is yeah <laughs> so the selfless service it may be retarded and not in the mentally challenged sort, but slowed down. YouTube, the organizations that Sean and I belong to, there is still in the veteran community a sense of selfless service. Uh, the bigger organization that Sean and I are part of, 60,000 Marines, over 60,000 Marines nationwide. The Department of Texas has 51 detachments, I believe, across the state. Jesus. And we just held a convention down here at the asshole end of Texas that nobody came, comes to. We had over 30 detachments represented and over 200 Marines in attendance for our uh, department convention, state level convention here in McAllen, Texas. Well, a lot of people don't know that about the Valley is that we have one of the largest veterans cap, uh, per veterans per capita in the United States right down here in the Valley. And we don't have a military installation around us or anything like that, but it's just, it's ingrained in who we are as a culture down here. Oh, very much so. And I didn't know it till I got here, but I very quickly learned it. Yeah. Uh, it's well, hard to touch any family that doesn't have some kind of service. Kind of yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Texas per capita oh, yeah. has some of the highest, but, but Texas the, and Ohio, the my Rio God, Grand Valley actually outperforms Texas per capita. Then uh, <laughs> he's having trouble keeping it up. So we, we may have to shut this, shut this short. Stay, staying up is not the problem. I just have I've picked up a bend. I hope. Well, there's nothing wrong with a bend. Get a couple more beers and you'll you'll have more of a bend issue. <laughs> a couple more beers, it might straighten out. <laughs> Again, if your children are listening, put them to bed. Yes. If your children are listening, you're a terrible parent. Who are, who do you think you are? Yeah, don't don't listen to a veterans podcast with your kids present. Oh man, I'm sorry. Speaking of which, I'm sorry to get in trouble with this shit. With parenting. Oh, you think? Oh, yeah. We've bad. been trying to tell you for years oh, to, yeah. to start it, it, going it, home. It, it, it's no, 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 not going home. I'm talking about with Evan. Oh, my son. Oh, uh, so well, spend more time at the bar then. Oh, my gosh. The shit that he says. I'm like, and he's a good one. Yeah, he's a good one. No. I, and, and, and I hate to say that, Alexa, I'm sure you're going to hear this at some point, but Evan's the good one. Uh, Breeze, eh. she's, she's a got double. a little feisty in her. I, I have no idea where she gets it from. 
I love you. Irish I love you. Irish, so. yeah. I promise. Definitely Alexa side of the family. But <laughs> Evans, uh, he's infatuated with the uh, military history. So a couple of years ago, he was going into school. He's highly infatuated with World War II history. Mm-hmm. Uh, the engineering, the equipment, big on it. Like he ships for a while too, huh? wasn't he? Like, Huge in the ships. Yeah. yeah. Any, anything military hardware-wise, uh, engineering-wise, he's big into. So he's going to school talking about Nazi Germany, blah, blah, blah. Oh. How they're, oh, oh, man, that was a big red flag. Like, teacher called, like, your son is talking a lot about Nazis. And this is right when all the stuff politically was happening. They're like, they're, did, everyone was getting claimed to be not. Did, uh, did you explain his grandmother's side of the family, though, and how the fact that he's definitely not yes, swinging that I'll way? Like, trust me when okay. I say this, we have bloodline that actually put yes. a lot of these guys to sleep yes. like that is not the case right you know uh we had to explain that to the teacher is like yeah but you know it's a no-no word i'm like well you know he's talking about like historic stuff and you know he's talking about the engineering and, capability of the third right yes, and what they he, were able to do and why they took the and, yeah he's talking about the jets the artillery the, even the soldier professionalism because i mean if you look at the history behind it germany had us beat on all aspects everything except for one what and they had us beat at the beginning but not at the end and it's why they went into Czechoslovakia. Raw materials and logistics capability. Okay, yes. Uh, what I'm talking about is the, the core fundamentals. The besides, core fundamentals, I mean, yes, at the beginning. All yes. move on their stomach. I totally agree with that. And at the beginning, they were phenomenal at that. I'm talking about the, regarding their soldier professionalism, their NCO core. And at the beginning of the war, yes, amazing. it was. It's similar to ours now. Yeah. At the beginning of the war, very much so. They, they'd spent 10 years somehow hiding it from the Western powers that they were building up the uh, generational, the le- yeah, ger- ger- yeah. Uh, ger- what is it called? Generational leadership. And they did a very good job of it. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, the thank God they couldn't get their hardware out. Not just that, but the the sustainment of the personnel. The country was too small to sustain the personnel supply that they needed for the warfare they were conducting on the level they were conducting it they couldn't they couldn't fill their losses yeah multi-front war yeah yeah but oh, sorry got a little off topic but evan's a big nerd <laughs> I was just on that. about to ring you back in so yeah. you're all right sorry evan's you a, got a couple of history notes going yeah, on yeah, about yeah. It, yeah. yeah we gotta do a special on that but yeah evan's a big history nerd especially equipment so he's talking about that and got it got me in trouble uh got in trouble last week uh because now i'm coaching his football team and Apparently, some parents out there do not appreciate a couple of veterans, uh, the way we vocalize when we need stuff to get done. I is can. it veterans or is it George? Uh, no, no, there's more than me. There's okay, another okay. one out there. So, yeah, and he's just as bad, if not yeah. worse than I it's probably worse when the two of you get together. Oh, man, yeah, there's so much negative, you, you probably so much negative energy feeding off each other. <laughs> the kids don't even know what to say or do. You know, some, some people exist on hope and sunshine and, and, and rays of rainbow unicorns and shit, and you exist on hate, caffeine, and liquor. I, I'm a firm believer in uh, public humiliation. Yeah. yeah, it works. Yeah, it does work. It's a very. We very turned out big, okay. I did. I don't know about you. Well, I'm here with you, aren't I? You work at the VA. Exactly. Somebody <laughs> has. Somebody has to set a high negative. St- I mean, a high standard. I'm not talking trash about the VA. They do a good job. I don't yeah. agree with them on a lot of things, but they do. All right. The VA does a better job than they have any reason to do. And I will say the and VA I, is doing much better than they were before. Yes, I, I do agree with that. They have come leaps and bounds over the last just in the last ten years. So yes. I'm going to give credit to that to an Army general. Which one? Uh, general Shinseki, hmm. when he was the secretary of the VA. 
he had an initiative and I was in right under the end of his time to really increase the veteran popula population that worked in the VA. As the career bu bureaucrats were retiring, he wanted them replaced with veterans. I, I will say that's been one of my largest complaints I get from veterans talking about that is that it's better. There's a lot of veterans up there, but you still have a very large population of people that have no business have working business. in there. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 being counters. They're so they're you know career administrators, but they're not really. Here's here's where I'm going to come down, both as a federal employee and civil servant. But I think those of you who know me that may be listening, and you two gentlemen know me well enough, uh, wanted to know the sincerity with which I use the word gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the staff we have are there because trying to get the qualified personnel. There are a lot of good veterans out there. And maybe this is going back into the earlier subjects about the uh, service and giving back that after they're out, hey, I've done my part. Right. I'm here for what you can give me, not what I can give you. Right. That's part of it. And then two, it is a government agency. There are limits on what they can pay. There are rules put in place by Congress on how we can spend. So some of the challenges that the VA faces are not necessarily anything the VA can do about. Now, I'm a VA employee. I went to work for the VA nine and a half years ago because I didn't like the care I was getting at the VA. I'm there every day as long as I can make a positive difference. The day I can't is the day I leave the VA. Um, I'm fortunate. I want the job. It allows me to have nice toys and stuff, but I am there because I'm able to make a difference. And there's a lot of veterans and there's a lot of non-veterans. You were talking about the people in this community and the fact that you can't go into any family without finding somebody with a tie to the military. Almost all the non-veterans at the VA, at this VA, whether that's in the Harlingen clinics, the McAllen clinic, Corpus Christi, Laredo, Almost every single one of them have family that were in the in the in the service. Yep. Uh, the providers that we get, there's a reason why we have so many foreigners in the VA, <laughs> and it's because the American providers don't want to work the hours, the overloaded schedules, and for the ridiculous pay. Yeah, the pay that they get sounds great to somebody that doesn't know what a doctor on the outside makes right <clears throat> but especially with with the bureaucracy that is on top of yeah the the the, the clinical side of things i mean hospitals I'm, have bureaucracies but the when VA it comes to government oh my goodness I mean, my job allows me to requires me at times to question doctors now if they can show me the medical necessity i get them what they're ordering but are you familiar with the Blackburn bill that's coming up next session? No. All right. I'm not sure how you feel about this. So if you don't feel like talking about it, just let me know. No, no. Ask me anything. And if I can talk about it, I'll talk about it. So they got the Blackburn bill coming up, which is theoretically going to pretty much abolish the VA and turn it into like an insurance card, Medicaid, and Medicare. I hope that doesn't happen for all the problems with the VA. There is no private system that can do for veterans what the VA does. As an institution for all of our problems, 
we understand the veteran community better than a collection of individual civilian doctors that are getting paid through TriWest. I fully agree with that. But what about like uh, female health, for example? It's like almost a six, seven month wait wait time right now in a lot of cases. And when they do send them out with the the programs that we have for them to see size stuff, they send them to, you know, these guys where they're waiting around in an office for about five or six hours before they even get seen. Um, I mean, these are major, major issues that need to be addressed that still haven't been addressed. You're absolutely right. Part of that is what I was addressing earlier, and I'm probably getting myself in trouble right now by speaking about some of this stuff, but you know what? What's life without a little risk? We don't have the staff we need. We can't get the staff we need because of the way we pay and because of the patient load. And that is not just across the board. It's specific to female veterans. We finally have an OBGYN on staff at the Harlingen VA. It was over three years that I was there before we had one there are so many things that they want to do for female veterans, not just at the local level. The VA in the nine years I've been there has been pushing women's health. It is a priority, but trying to get the providers that can provide that care into the federal system, that's one. Two, even with choice, in an area like the Valley, for all the good things about the Valley, we're also limited. Yeah. And some of the things that are specific to women's health care with the restrictions in place on how we can do things, how we can pay for things. And those are things the VA doesn't have any choice about. It's determined by Congress because of the hoops that the outside providers would have to jump through. They just don't want to play. So the female veterans, If they can't get it from us, we send them to the community. But a lot of times those resources either aren't available in the community or don't want to work with the VA. And the ones they do get are bottom of the barrel. Okay. That makes sense. So again, I'm not not defending the VA. What's your recommendation for veterans that uh, I run through a lot of vets and, you know, every time they bring up the VA, it's mostly not going to lie. It's mostly negative. Yeah. If veterans want to get involved and helping fix that, what are some of the things that they could be pushing for, for their legislators that are supposed to be representing them up in DC? The VA already has certain areas where the way that they are able to purchase is different. Um, maybe consider making more exceptions to the federal acquisition regulations for the VA that would allow us to streamline some of our acquisition processes, not just directly within the VA, but through community care as well. Uh, On the local level, go to your voluntary services. I think they've renamed them recently, but there's always a voluntary service at the VA. The VA is always hiring. Go to usajobs.gov. And if you're not happy with the care you're getting at the VA, Accept the challenge I accepted nine and a half years ago after my wife got tired of me being the asshole in the basement. You don't like the VA, go get a job and do something about it. Dear, I can't change the system. No, but you can make a difference in one veteran's life every day. Be the difference. Be that change. There are government surveys that are sent out to us as employees all the time asking, what can we do different? And it's a way to answer those. When the regs come out for changes, yeah, they post them in the Federal Register saying, hey, here's a comment period. But we get an email blast about it. 
And as veterans that work at the VA, I'm able to give my voice to the policy people in the in Department of Veterans Affairs back in DC and say, this is what I see wrong with this proposed regulation. This is how I think you need to change it. Every regulation in the Code of Federal Regulations goes out for a 90-day comment period when it's posted in the Federal Register before it ever becomes a final rule. And unless you're a rules geek like myself, you probably don't know that, you don't even know where to look. But as an employee, if you have access to email, you get an email that says, hey, this is there. Now, you could be some like some of my veterans that work at the VA that work for me. Uh, this is BS, they set their spam filters to, to right. sort it out and it goes straight to their junk. That's on them. The information is being given to you and you decide not to look at it. You get the care you deserve. I really appreciate your insight on this. And I really hope that, you know, this helps out some of the veterans that are listening and stuff. But I think we need to make sure that we finish on a high note on this. Uh, there's something <laughs> well, that I saw before. Have you ever heard of the WTF moment? Re real quick. This to me, this is a high note. The, the VA is always hiring. We need qualified people for the veterans that are on here. Be that difference. There are an incredible number of veterans at this VA. We need more. Yeah. All right. I'll get off my soapbox. No, I, and, and I think it's an important conversation. I, absolutely. Um, and, and I, you know, I'll echo George and that I appreciate your candor on it. And, uh, you know, I think you, you, I think you answered questions to a point where I would hope that nobody at the VA would have a problem with, with what you said. I mean, because if how, they do, how long have you known me? I, I know, I know, but I mean, if they do, we have a bigger problem. You know, if we can't talk about it, we have a bigger problem. Uh, I think I stayed far enough away from official absolutely. policy. And even though the ethics people won't approve of this, everything I have said here tonight is in my capacity as a private individual, not as an employee of the VA. Yeah, we brought I you on as a private individual. So. I purposely have not disclosed what my job is at the VA, right. and I'm not going to. Right. Proct um, proctologist? <laughs> that's only for you. Oh, yeah, no, dirty. No. Dirty. Yeah, he don't, yeah it he is a dirty job. He doesn't pitch, though. That's No, no. I, I'm the pitcher for George. You want to do uh, three rounds of WTFs? Uh, we could. Yeah. I mean... You know what a WTF is? I, I know what the acronym is. I don't know what, what it refers to in this case. Like, give us a WTF moment you had while you were in service. Or if you want to, Sean or I could go first. <laughs> I got a real quick, easy one. Let's hear yours first, because I'm trying to, to run through some. All right, so we're doing air, uh, air assault mission. We came in, landed, and got off, running out, and... Um, they they, they kind of have sewage in Iraq, but it's a uh, more it usually just sits there in, in, in yeah, the in the ditches, yeah. open air sewage. Uh, and uh, we're closing in on the compound, and uh, one of our guys disappears. <laughs> Look back, and he's there, but he's about six feet down and uh, up to his about chest in some grade A Iraqi stuff. Nice, yeah. And uh, compost. We'll but call it. here we are approaching the building. Dogs are going ape shit. Middle of the night. What do we do? Do we secure him? Pull him out? So we left the guard and we continued mission. <laughs> he was there for a good thirty minutes, man. Uh, Just simmering, you know. You know, in that, you know. Oh my God, they loaded him up with so many antibiotics. And uh, honestly, I think we threw all his equipment away, uh, burnt it because I was like, you're not getting that smell off yeah, him. I mean, they, they made him sleep outside to chew that you know, night. What's a case of Hep C amongst friends? You know. Oh yeah. All right. Let, let's continue in that vein. 
Who dare we? But before the invasion of Iraq, so we're up there, uh, Camp Matilda, Camp Freedom, Camp Anaconda, all those places. We're, we're twenty clicks from the uh, Kuwaiti or Iraqi border, staged in Kuwait. Uh, anybody that was there will remember the sandstorm. There were two big sandstorms during one right before the invasion and one the first couple of weeks of the invasion. The one before the invasion kind of caught us all off guard. We're all out strolling around smoking cigarettes at the smoke pit. And this thing comes in hard and fast. So we're running for the mortar bunkers. We're running for the tents, whatever shelter you can get to. I run to one of the mortar bunkers and I see a Marine run to the Port of Johns. Okay. There's about 15 of them. They're chained together. They're staked down. Maybe not a bad call, but this sandstorm is a, you, you remember the mummy? Yeah. That, that wall of sand. Oh God. Yeah. It was kind of like I know that. which direction this is going. So he, he thinks he's safe. Well, the doors were facing away from the direction of the, of the oh. sandstorm. And I can't really visualize this. Yeah. It got blown over. And he was screaming bad enough we could actually hear him over the sandstorm. You guys go help him or you just let him fester there for a few? Oh, while it was still going on, we let him fester. Oh, I mean, we weren't coming out there. This this stuff was ripping off, you know, not literally, but it felt like it was ripping off skin. There there were tents that got ripped down. And these are the the big white. It's not picking up pebbles, it's it's picking up rocks and throwing it at you. Yeah. So, you know, we're watching tents get ripped away, We're, we're watching just everything go flying. And this guy's just in the in the Porta John screaming. So it finally passes, and a couple of people go out there and stand it up, and the door opens, and he comes out. Shit popsicle, <laughs> looking like Why'd you a freaking looking like a fucking Smurf <laughs> with Tootsie Rolls stuck to him. Oh, <laughs> except for those weren't any Tootsie all, Roll you'd want to put yeah, in your mouth. Yeah. All like partial wet, partial dry TP. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Blue, blue TP. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta have the blue in it, man. The blue always kills I, it for I everybody. Mean, I always hated at the you know Poseidon kiss in the Portageon. I yep. could just yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Poseidon oh, kiss yeah. when, when you drop in a big oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, you kind of had to, had to work them out weeks. carefully yeah. to get yes. them to, to. Yeah, you had to. You had to the the, the, the freshly cleaned Portageon was nice. Yes, because it didn't, you know, burn right. up your you nostrils. The first one downfalls. No matter if it was yes. combat or whether it was a field. Oh yeah, man, like it smells. But you're great. gonna wind up like, with a wet ass. Yes, yes. <laughs> you are gonna have a swim ass. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's horrible. Uh, what I want to know: Did Wagner love the cock in every Portageon you were in? Yes. Who? Who the fuck was Wagner? I don't know, but is he, is he, he our generation's Gilroy? We, we didn't get him on. He, he's like he's like the the new newfound uh, um, Gilroy was here. Uh, no, no, I was gonna say he's 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 uh, he's um, oh my god, my brain just went. He's he's Jody. Well, Port Johns is where we would go to when we were in Kuwait. You know, we got transitioned through Kuwait to Iraq. That's where we'd go through through all our battalion gossip. We're like, oh, okay. Like, what's a what's a new brief? To, you know, everyone else goes for newspapers. We go to Port Johns and just read the new shit on the side. You went to the Port Johns. Oh, there oh, were yeah. there were definitely some dead babies on the wall. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> no, no, no. He's talking about something. Oh, oh. wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 George yeah, gets yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. George gets it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, it took a second. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Exactly. <laughs> What's your WTF moment? Okay. All right. So I, I do tell this story a couple of times. Uh, I Again, I was a peacetime Marine, but we did train pretty hard as Marines. Is this the Mark 19 story? No. What, no I want to hear a hard, damn neck story. The Mark 19 story is for a, a deeper one. That's a pretty tough story, but this is a funny one. Not so, enough monkey jizz. No, we had one blow up on us. It was not a pretty sight. But this this one is actually funny. Okay. So we had, you know, when I was with uh, my last almost three years in the Marine Corps was with headquarters company, 5th Marine Regiment. And so as, such, as being, you know, yeah. And at, and at that time, because there's Marines out there are going to say, fifth Marines, not the most decorated Marine in the Marine. At the time, fifth Marine regiment was the most decorated regiment in the Marine Corps. You know, originally, I didn't even know they weren't anymore. They, well, it's since Iraq, there's some things that have gone on. So apparently if you're listening, if you're any other Marine other than fifth Marine, you're going to say, that's right. That's right. Anyway, at that time we were. So, um, <laughs> we had the commandant of the Thai Marine Corps visit and, uh, the, the CG brought him down to fifth Marines. And so we had, um, we had, uh, regimental toes. We had regimental recon, all that sort of thing. Um, but we ended up doing just a, dis- a static display form with toes. Right. And so one of the things that they decided to do was to show that you, you may want to explain for okay, the, the people I know call that don't know what a toe is. No, I wasn't right, talking about right. you, oh. but even some it's people in the, in the service optical sided wire guided missile, because for all, all the other crayon yes. meters, they may yes. be thinking about the thing attached to your foot. It's so, an amazing we- it's, weapon system besides at the point that you have to shoot and then stay on target. Keep on target. Yes. Before the javelin, it was great. Javelin. After right. the javelin. We had javelins too, but toes for a specific thing, they're actually pretty cool for for their job. We'll do a hell of a job. And, when I, uh, and then the nice thing is that they can shoot on through Russian smoke, tank. whatever. And what they were, tr- what they were trying to explain was they wanted to show that, that, that the, uh, you know, so they they were going to pop smoke and all that stuff. Well, the the smart ass NBC guys said, well, why don't we get some training in? Let's have them shoot them with their gas masks on, right? And and they said, and we'll pop CS gas, and we'll have we'll have joint training. So everybody, bring your gas masks. We're going to pop CS and uh, CS gas. It's like what we do in a gas chamber all the time. For anybody that's not listening, kind of sum this up before you go any further. Yeah. So you have Marines with some great ideas, right? We, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. just clarifying. This was, this was actually, for us as training, awesome. Because all we're doing is sitting in the stands and we're getting NBC training, right? So, for you guys at home that aren't veterans, CS gas is basically... Uh, tear gas. Tear gas that they pop over, right? But that's what we train with. Concentrated. Yes. Heavily concentrated. And so, we have CS grenades that we'll throw out too, right? So, anyway... That reminds we, me of another story. We'll get to it in a minute. So we're, you know, during the day we had uh, 50 cal shoots. We had, we had uh, M240 shoots. We had toe shoot, everything, right? Well, the, the climatic, the, the climatic end was the toe shoot. And there was Connex boxes set up on the range and they were on top of Humvees and stuff. And so, you know, there, it's like, you know, it's like that, that scene from uh, Caddyshack when, you know, when he's blowing up all the freaking greens and stuff, right? And everything's like, right? So, so then, like, they pop the smoke, they're blowing stuff up, everybody's going crazy. And then we hear, gas, gas, gas. Everybody's donning and clearing their mouth, right? They're putting it on. And then the toe shoot goes on. 
and it's just blowing up and crap and stuff. And when the smoke finally settles and it's like all clear, all clear, right? We take our gas mask off and we look over and here's the comment of the time Marine Corps <laughs> with snot running down his nose without yeah. a mask on yeah, and sitting next to him is the Colonel without a mask with snot coming down his face. And next to the Colonel is the adjutant with a fucking gas mask on. And if you don't understand what the adjutant is, basically the Colonel's assistant, right? And it's usually like a first lieutenant or a butter bars, whoever. This was a butter bar. So he had just come in. They didn't know where to put him. So they made him the adjutant for the Colonel for a while. Oh, he pissed off his admin chief. That's the only reason that happened. So everybody got the word that we were doing NBC training and to bring your gas mask. And the adjutant got the word because he had his gas mask, but he didn't bring the colonel's gas mask and inform him, nor did he make sure that the the VIP, the, the commandant of the Thai Marine Corps, the entire Thai Marine Corps, have a gas mask. What, when was why, this? This was, when? Yeah. Uh, this was 95, 90, no, it was 96, that, 96. That would be fun to watch. It was... <laughs> We, we, I mean, obviously, I have a funny story for it, and and I will say this: the Thai commandant was laughing. He was like, "Oh, this is great!" And he's just a snot, just he couldn't open his eyes, and he's just, and it's just it's everywhere down his face. And the commandant's going, "Office," you know, just it's I, crazy. I would have wanted to be the battalion sergeant major, the regimental sergeant major, just listening from across the hall as that lieutenant. Goes, gets Ream. tacked up Ream. on the colonel's wall. Speaking of big munitions that go boom or that don't go boom, when I was a fast company, I was the uh, ops NCO for a while. And one of our platoons was down at Lejeune doing uh, some, some weapons shoots out on the K ranges. For those that don't know much about Camp Lejeune, Camp Lejeune, whatever you want to call it, the K ranges are on the backside of nowhere. Oh, they're out there to do an AT4 shoot. Yeah. Well, I don't remember who the range safety officer was or who the range staff and COIC was, but they probably should have gotten their range cards pulled because <laughs> they had a misfire. With an AT4? With an AT4. What did they do with it? Uh, they sat it off to the side, continued their range, loaded it up on the ammo truck, which they properly separated the remaining live ammo and the duds and drove it back to main side to turn it into the ASP. They didn't put it. Was this at where, where was this? Camp Lejeune. Oh, they didn't. They Viper, didn't have EOD come out and they didn't. It? They didn't notify range control, oh, which Jesus. in Lejeune at the time it was called Viper, and they had their stupid little Viper cards, and they were some absolute had, pricks. Was it Barmat? Uh, Barmat at. at at, uh, uh, it was at, long rifle at Pendleton, and I forget what it was at. at uh, Twenty nine palms is bar matter or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah, they didn't notify range control that they had an AT four dud, <laughs> and we found out about it when they got to wow. the ASP and called us to ask what the procedure was back in in Norfolk. Yeah. So what did what? 
I don't, I don't, man. Just I mean, this everybody is, back away from the Humvee is, okay. and leave it alone. So just so you guys know, this is stateside. This is in North Carolina. This is on the roads. This was not. It, on, it was all on base. It was all on base. But still. Actually, no, because it was out on the K ranges. They had to go onto Route 17 to get back in through the backside and come past uh, Stone Bay and all that. So yeah. there for a little while, they had a live rocket. Live rocket. That with could, other that live ammo. literally just go off at any point, wherever it's pointing. Did it le- was it at least shoot, pointing out to the back of I it? wasn't there. I was up oh in my God. at the time. And I was, I was there when the call came in. What do we do with this uh, dud rocket? At least they called us before they went into the ASP. They called us from the ASP parking lot. Wow. So, yeah. And we're not talking about butter bars and boots now. You know, the the platoon commanders for a fast company are captains. Right. No. Yeah. They've been established. I mean, they've been in for at least six years. So you got a captain. Captain's basically like the staff sergeant of the officer's corps. Yeah. they're, they're, They're usually at the point where the enlisted guys start to actually respect them and think they might know what they're doing. Usually, sometimes, <laughs> depending on the captain. Can you tell we're all enlisted? <laughs> you know what? You need to get Greg on here. I, I will get Greg on here. Greg Greg was the uh, commanding officer of Carlos Company. Carlos, well, the oh, I and I staff here. Oh, sorry, the I and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he is the most unofficer officer you'll ever He's meet. So laid back. It's it's not even funny. I tell you my West Point story, where every single cadet or every single senior is an officer. No. Uh, so I, I had the opportunity to go to West Point with uh, Pat Rogers. Uh, Pat Rogers was heading into West Point to do a combat weapons training course for uh, their combat weapons team. Their combat weapons team, they're, they're all cadets, yeah. but they're all ex, ex, uh, yeah. ex army. What we call Mustang. Yeah. And most of these boys are Ranger Bat boys. So there I am going. Uh, my buddy, uh, who's a, he's a company XO at the time, uh, used to be my PL. Um, I think he's Lieutenant Colonel Wilcox now, or Colonel Wilcox now, invited me. Hey, do you want to come over and do some training? It's like, yeah, like freaking, uh, what, oh, for, oh, you're going to have to put for a three day pass. Like, I'm giving up a freaking three day pass to do this. You know what? It better be worth it. So went down there. We had our private weapon systems that we were able to bring with us, went down there. And uh, the first night we got shit faced, did an intro, uh, got shit faced out of in front of West Point at the bars that they have that only the upperclassmen can go. That night we go back. I'm thinking we're staying at a hotel room. He's like, no, we're going to stay in the barracks. Like, with the West Point cadets? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, what could go wrong? And so they, <laughs> they put me in this big ass, it's the common area room where like the up two of the upperclassmen sleep at. And it's a huge room. It's like the size of this deck. And so I'm like, oh, it's like, oh yeah, no, they're out for a three-day weekend. They're not going to be back. You know, you crash out on the couch, blah, blah, blah. So I crash out on the couch. I thought we were staying at a hotel, so I didn't bring blankets or anything but i found a wooly he's like well, okay i'm still this guy's wooly sleeping there around three in the morning i'm getting poked i just got back from a war zone like a month and a half before that so it did not i did not wake up well you were getting poked or you were getting poked no no no, no, no dirty mind stop <laughs> okay no like poking me so i i shoot up you know ready to go be angry if he was yeah, poked. he thought I was. He thought I was a cadet or some shit. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing in here?" They, like, uh, Captain Wilcox, and you know they're thinking cadets and stuff. They're like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, uh, Wilcox." <laughs> Try to explain to him, and finally it came out. Oh, you're active duty. Blah blah. blah. I was like, go back to sleep. Blah blah. blah. Like, like, what do I do? Do I do I call this guy <laughs> sir cadet? Like, it was such an awkward situation. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was an interesting night. 
Those guys are hardcore too, man. The West Point ones. Well, the one I was there, they were like really big on that shit. I had one interaction with West Point cadets, and it was long before I ever joined the Corps. Uh, you may not actually know this. I went to a military school. Was that West Virginia or you look no. like a you look like a JRTC type guy? Well, everybody at the school had to take JRTC, but it's uh, Virginia Military Institute. Oh, okay, I yeah. heard of those girls. Yeah, it's uh, where West Point goes when they want to you know find somebody to admire. So I thought that was like the JV at West Point. That was your joke. <laughs> you have another beer, buddy. No, that is the core of that's the core of cadets. Yeah. So uh, we, I got asked by the Corps Sergeant Major, who's a retired old Marine Sergeant Major, if I would be the cadet in charge of a detail going to the National Debutants Cotillion. Absolutely. I don't know what Sergeant Major was thinking or who he wanted to piss off by picking me. But unlike West Point, where every senior has some kind of an officer billet, at VMI, as a senior, you're either an officer or a private and no in between. Right. And you want to talk about the people with the worst attitude? It's the senior privates. They run that school and they know it. Well, somehow we go to uh, D.C. for the National Debutants Cotillion, where we are escorting Definitely the upper crust of the upper crust of the 1% as they are being introduced to society. And there's West Point cadets, some uh, midshipmen from Annapolis, some society guys, and then uh, six VMI guys. And yeah, uh, it, it was, it was, it was a memorable occasion. Um, I, I'm going to leave it there, but uh, it was fun. Well, before we wrap up, um, I, I know we, we briefly touched on it, and <clears throat> I would be remiss to let it go before we uh, we mention what you're doing right now, uh, your work with uh, both the Marine Corps League and uh, the Military Order of the Devil Dog. All right, so the Marine Corps League I mentioned earlier, it is the only congressionally chartered veteran-specific veteran service organization in the country. Uh, we got organized by General Luzerne shortly after World War One, 60 plus thousand, probably 65,000 members nationwide to be eligible a Marine or FMF Navy personnel with at least 90 days honorable service to be a regular member. Uh, we have associate members who are other services, family members, friends, people that just like our mission and want to help support us. As far as what our mission is, it's simple continue the traditions and support the core. Uh, that's the 30,000, 60,000 level view at the individual level, help Marines transition back into the community, help the community. We work with the Marine Reserves on Toys for Tots. Toys for Tots is a program that got started shortly after World War II, a Marine major and his wife out in California. I don't know the whole story, but basically his wife was making some dolls and said, hey, we wanna find somebody to donate these to. What's, what program? And the, the major said, there isn't a program. So his wife told him, start one. Right. Commandant of the Marine Corps found out about it. Next year, it was an official program in the Marine Reserve. That's how Toys for Tots got started. Still happens today. Yeah. In communities all over the country that where there are not reservists or where the reservists were deployed during OIF, OEF, the Marine Corps League, they pick up that slack. 
uh, our detachment. We have a scholarship that we're trying to get established. We've got the funding. We're going to start paying it out. And whatever we have in our fund every year is how many scholarships we're going to fund. So any way that we can help the community, we're going to. So service members transitioning back, need to find resources, need to find jobs, need to know how to get registered for the VA, scholarship, Toys for Tots. That doesn't do anything for us. That's not our program. But last year, five of us gathered almost 5,000 toys. Yeah, last year was the was one of the biggest years in a long time. I think the valley uh, we collected over thirty thousand toys. Yeah, Jesus. Um, and it was a it was actually a windfall year uh, nation nationwide. It was one of the largest years that they had in a long time. For, for as hard as the country was doing, and as much as we talk about the sacrifice and service mentality being gone, there's still good people out there doing good things. The dogs. So the easiest way to explain it is for people that know anything about uh, Masons and Shriners. You know, the Masons is a fraternal organization. For those that don't know, the Shriners that you see at the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade and things like that, the guys with the funny little hats that run around in the cars and make absolute damn fools out of themselves, they're high-level Masons. Not every Mason can be a Shriner. You have to be invited in. Well, same thing with the Military Order of Devil Dogs. It's the fun and honor society within the Marine Corps League. The League is about 60,000 members plus. The Dogs is about 6,000. You have to have been in the League for at least a year. Two members of the Dogs have to recommend you. Your detachment commandant has to say yes. What's you're a good person. And I, I think I know where you're going. About five, six years after the league got started we're holding national conventions you take five thousand marines you put them in a city for a week and keep them in business meetings all day long unfortunate things happen the dogs is the fun and honor society so we have a major charitable mission that we work to every year and i'm going to talk about that in just a second but that's exactly what we are fun and honor anytime the league is gathered the dogs have a gathering as well, and it is to blow off steam. Yep. Uh, we do silly things. We wear funny hats. We talk in dog language. We don't speak. We bark. And I'm giving away some of the uh, trade secrets for which I will be fined appropriately be the fine. next time. I, I will be bringing that up. Yes. Um, and that's fine because our biggest charitable event is every year when we gather at the children's hospital, or if there's not a children's hospital, the children's wing of a local hospital. We make a donation with the caveat. It can't just go into the general fund. It has to be used for equipment. Right. In 2019 in Billings, we gave a $50,000 check to the children's wing of the hospital in Billings, Montana. Now, $50,000 isn't a lot of money. But when you think about the fact that 6,000 individuals came up with $50,000 and it's going to a little tiny hospital in Billings, Montana. For new equipment. And, and I will, I'll, I'll give this much of it. And we're talking about $1 increments. Yeah. $1 in that, that's all raised that's all one, we can $1 really say at a time. It. It's like $1, literally $1 at a time. That's all we can say about it. But it's like $50,000, $1 at a time across the country. It doesn't seem like a lot. There's only 12 of us down here, and we've already got a couple of hundred dollars to go towards this year. Yes. Uh, in 2020, one in Springfield, Illinois, it was 70,000. This year in Daytona in August, it was $83,000. Yep. That went, we 
had one of those big ridiculous checks printed up. Yep. And we went out to a local uh, single A baseball game, had the hospital uh, leadership out there and presented them a check for $83,000. Here locally, we're working on trying to uh, get set up so we can do that with the Children's Hospital here, whether that's South Texas or Driscoll or spread that money around Uh, Harlingen, wherever there's children that that need it. I mean, the majority of it is children's hospital. We also work with veterans hospitals national wide, but because we in the Valley don't have a a veterans hospital, I mean, the majority of ours is going to be completely to children here in the Valley. So, and then because we are dog oriented, yes. uh, We've also started a new program, the uh, chow hound. And every time we meet, we're gathering, dog food, cat food, blankets, supplies, and we're going to weigh those, turn them into uh, Palm Valley Animal Shelter or one of the other local no-kill shelters. That's going on nationwide. There was one pound, which is the local unit. They gathered over 12,000 pounds worth of animal food and and supplies for local shelters last year. So that's what we do. We make fun of ourselves. We embarrass ourselves. And we raise money and equipment and supplies for our communities. And and I will say this: I know we, we we've got to wrap it up here shortly, but but um, you know, Corey Corey's very humble. <laughs> I say this with a grin on my face, but he but he is quite humble. Um, I, I'm I'm very proud. Um, I am the, the 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 detachment commandant for the the Marine Corps League down here, but I'm not. When it comes to the dogs, I let him take that because, believe me, I've got way too much on my hands to do other things. But what I really, really enjoy, and, and it goes back to what we were talking about with this, with the selfless service, but especially the, the um, you know, uh, overperformance of the Valley when it comes to veteran service. Our, our detachment across state and national representation, we have, we have quite a bit of, of, um, I w- I'm not going to say influence, but we are very active at the, even up at the national level. Uh, we're, we're fortunate. We, uh, Sean is, and I mean this as a compliment. I normally wouldn't. Sean, Sean is a good politician as far as in, he is able to talk to the right people and get the message into the right ears. Um, it's a skill I could learn from. We, by chance or by grace, have access to the right ears. Uh, and as a result, our voice is heard. Yeah. Uh, the Marines here in the Valley, our supporters here in the Valley, the convention we put on in June, the things we've been doing, the things we've been putting on Facebook, uh, we do have a national voice now. And for 60 Marines at the end of Texas, that's incredible. So, yeah. Thank you all for having me. George, comments before we wrap this one up? I'm not a Marine, but I'm a huge fan of everything you guys have done down here. Uh, well, I see your grandfather from, was a Marine, right? Yeah, he was yeah. a Marine. Gives me shit for it all the time before he <laughs> passed. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of what you guys have done down here. It's been amazing. It's uh, noticeable, too. Uh, every time we have large veteran events, you see all the uh, Marine Corps League with their funny hats out there. And, you know, it's like, damn, these guys are pretty goddamn serious. And I, I heard recently you guys just got an honor guard team, too. Right. Which yeah. is badass. So yeah. I definitely need it. Our, yeah. our, our weekend for the for the next two weeks, those guys are going to be earning their money. And we literally 
literally, not figuratively, literally got our rifles from the Army program last last week. week. Have they practiced? At all yet? They've oh, been, yeah. practicing been practicing for the last two months. We and again, we've had we've had uh, flags and stuff to practice, but we haven't had the rifles. Uh, we did. We haven't get had our own rifles. Our own rifles. We did get like uh, a loan from um, American from Legion, American, American Legion, VFW, a couple it's of our very, private members. A collaborative effort down here in the valley, but um, but we are going to um, we're going to be leading the Mission Veterans Day parade uh, with our first ever that. Uh, I mean, that's not going to be our first official, but when it comes to the community, um, for our first official in mission, yes, uh, it's we will be uh, leading the Mission Veterans Day parade uh, as the official color guard for for that. And we got our business partner as the. yeah, Grand Marshal. Grand Marshal. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Chewy Hinojosa. Uh, wow. And Chewy is also going to be. We this year we're we're hosting the our inaugural uh, Marine Corps birthday ball. We plan to do this annually going forward. Uh, we plan for this. Uh, this has been uh, one of my biggest goals when when I when I helped start the detachment back in 2018. Um, I wanted to have that Marine Corps ball, and. This year, we're finally able to to pull that off. Uh, we we did we are selling tickets this year, but going forward, my goal is that it's completely free for any Marine uh, FMF Corman FMF chaplain in the community to attend and and have that be supported by um, our other you know our fundraisers throughout the year. But but it's one of those services that we want to we want to provide as 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 the camaraderie aspect of the Marine Corps League, which is about. So with that, uh, there's a couple of organizations down here that do veterans dinners. Those are wonderful thing. And I absolutely support those. If you have an opportunity and you're not a Marine to go to a Marine ball, a Marine birthday is unlike anything you've ever seen. And it will help you understand the weirdness that is our mindset. Y'all pick the worst possible dab week of the year to do it though. For me, <laughs> I wanted to go bad, well, but I mean, we can't, we can't help that the Marine Corps was, the Marine Corps was formed the 10th, first, the 10th, not on the November 13th. 10th. Okay. And it just happened that Congress passed Veterans Day, November 11th. We no, can't I'm not help talking that. about that. You, I'm talking you, you about realize why Congress one. did that, right? Because all the other services were upset that nobody knew when their birthday was it's true. so they needed to take some shine away from that the quarter's birthday taking shots shots are being fired right now across the bow and uh when's the army birthday george dude, yeah that's what i'm saying so I, and I, dude, i'm gonna I'm i hope gonna, you can make it if not this year next year we're gonna keep this doing this i want to yeah. i can't i actually have a close friend of mine that i work with one of my co-workers at the state She's a Marine vet. She's coming down and she's going to be out there. Before y'all kick me out of here for saying unkind things about the Army, George, you recognize the things we do. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Before you start, who has the most beach invasions? The most or the biggest? Both. Uh, I can't speak to most. The biggest was the Army. Yes. The first for the U.S. was us. Weren't you guys security guards for the Navy? Actually, you know, yeah. Truman I mean, did make a comment like that, and he didn't last very long. No, he um, did. It, it was shortly <laughs> after that that I think it was a army general 
came yeah. out and said the safest place to be in Korea is behind a platoon of Marines. Yeah, they're going to suck yes. up the bullets. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're yeah. fucking good at it. And, yeah. and I will say this, uh, you know, live and in person, you know, people do say, and it is true, the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy. And For the men's department, the yeah. Men's department of the Navy. And, yeah. and we're, we're happy with that. One of the funniest things I ever heard was a sailor tried to insult me. He said, you know, you know why the Navy has Marines on ship? I said, no, why? Because sheep are too obvious. And yeah. I looked at him. I'm like, you're a special kind of stupid, aren't you? He's like, why? I'm like, that's not an insult to us. <laughs> There's a reason why Navy guys have their name tape on their back pocket. <laughs> so, you know, yep. so, you know, <laughs> and uh, this is all in love. Yes. We're, 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 we're brothers. That weekend's uh, jam packed too. Man. Oh, yeah. I mean, Between Veterans Day, the Marine birthday, Founders Day for VMI, which is, got re repurposed as uh, Veterans Day. Even the Sunday after, we have uh, the Green Zone cookoff so, like, out here. Off. It's uh, yep. a bunch of unhealthy shit talking. Yeah. So, and, and while you're listening, so it, it, come on out to that cause, because it's one of those things that 5x5 five five we do for, um, you know, to, to honor our veterans. Um, but it's it's a shit ton of fun. I You know, you know what I love about this podcast is I can swear because usually, as guess Corey says, I'm very political when it comes to very tactful about what I say. You're not but, happy about it, but you're good oh, at it. I, I, I excel at at not swearing when I need to not swear. But but the Green Zone Chili Cook-Off, I mean, when we first did the first year, I think it was fabulous. It was, it was fun. fun. You should it burn your so ass off, fun. right? Oh, dude, it was it, bad. It was just, uh, it, it, so I, I distinctly remember the Army's first run of Chili was the best one out there. And then I forgot who it was. It was the Navy that won. Navy one because yeah. the army's second round of chili that they did was horrible. It, was it so tasted like seawater. I'm crazy. like, what the fuck? Yeah, somebody dumped like like two cups of salt in there instead of like two tablespoons. It was All crazy. Right. I, I want to say one thing and then I need to go shed a tear for Lord Nelson while y'all wrap up. To both of you, but because I don't ever want to give you credit for anything positive. That's fine. George, to you and five by five, thank you for everything y'all are doing for the community. Seriously. Y'all help us in our mission. We help you in our mission, and that's the veteran mentality. Yep. So it's a, thank it's you a for giving us a does. place where we're able to do the things we do. And that was our goal. I mean, when we when we when we started five by five, it was about making beer. <laughs> I gotta go shed a tear for Lord Nelson. Right. But hey, you know, thank you, man. We appreciate you coming on the podcast. Yeah, just to wrap up again, five by five. When we 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 made this place for you guys, like we really didn't know what the fuck we were doing when we started this thing. We still don't. Yeah, and and it you know it's turned into quite the uh, the journey, but it, it's because of our. I don't. I I say fans, but I, it sounds like a little bit more entitled when I say that. But it's just the community. Like the community's really rallied, uh, especially during the pandemic. You guys are the only reason we're alive. I mean, we we survived despite ourselves. Yeah. So I mean, again, special shout out to everybody that has supported us even before we were making beer. I mean. We had such a following and guys were like, when are you guys going to have the beer? And we're you know, working on it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But uh, that's it for tonight. I think if we, we keep this going, we'll go here all night. And, and George is, is, is looking at me. He's like, I'm, I'm super tired. Um, that's he just, super tired. I'm going to get yelled at. He, you know, I, but Alexa, we love you. And, and we appreciate you letting us borrow George. Um, the, the world, the world appreciates it. 
Well, guys, stay tuned. Uh, we'll be coming up with more podcasts, different subjects, um, all veteran related mostly. Um, so, hey, just keep on the lookout. We'll have this one out pretty soon and uh, we'll get another guest announced and we'll get going on it. Yeah. And, and, and if you have a story to tell, I mean, just contact us. Come in. You know, if you're if you're not even local and, you, and you're listening to this uh, remotely, contact us. Uh, I, I'm Sean Downey, Sean.Downey at 505brewing.com. George.Rice at 5x5brewing.com. It's not like we're hiding. You guys can find us anytime. Everybody has George's phone number. So yes. if you're if you're interested in sharing your story, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to share it with our with our our, our family. We're not fans, we're family. I mean, uh, we're we're here for you. So again, this has been Brews and Battle Stories uh, with Sean Downey and George Rice from 5x5. And we'll see you the next time. Have a great night, guys.